The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you for joining us here today and on Online Church here at Summit. As we continue to walk through the book of Luke, verse by verse, we come to this section of Scripture in Luke where Jesus is unpacking this idea of the kingdom of God, His kingdom. And He's doing it in response to a question from the Pharisees. And, uh, and so we want to look at that over these next three weeks. We want to unpack it with Him and see that there's a lot of things in this text that are unexpected. A lot of things that come out of this text that are unexpected when it comes to the kingdom of God and what we think it is. Expectations are a funny thing, aren't they? Have you ever had an expectation and things didn't turn out the way you thought they would? In 1987, I met a girl in college. Her name was Rhonda, and uh, we began to date. And up to that point, uh, I hadn't dated anyone longer than a month. And um, you can insert the joke there, whatever you think. But I had been a month, and so when we lasted almost 11 months, I thought, this has to be the girl. So we got engaged, and uh, I thought, this was the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Uh, Well, as most of you know, and if you don't, I'll let you know, my wife's name is not Rhonda. So my expectations didn't turn out the way that I thought they were going to turn out. About three years later, I met another girl. Her name was Sharla. But when I met her, I didn't expect to marry her because she was engaged to a guy when I met her. She was at our church to have premarital counseling with the pastor that I was working under. And and I thought, you know, I just thought, well, that's a nice looking girl. But I never even thought this would be the person that I would spend the rest of my life with. And yet, I, uh, I can tell you now that, long story short, uh, we've been married almost 32 years, and it just goes to show you that expectations are a funny thing. There's something that we can't always know what's going to happen. Sometimes expectations are, are, are scary, and sometimes they're, they're dangerous, and sometimes they're even disappointing, but, but sometimes expectations can be exciting. They can be surprising. They can even be better than what we even thought. As I said, over the next three weeks, we're going to be spending some time looking at the kingdom of God as Jesus explains it. And in in his explanations, we're going to see that there are things that we've thought about the kingdom of God that may not be true. Definitely, we're going to see that the people that Jesus was addressing, these religious leaders, these Pharisees, what they expected of the kingdom of God was not what it actually was. So we're going to find out that, 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 that it's not a location. We're, we're, we're going to find out that, that there are realities to the kingdom of God that are different than the realities that maybe they thought, the Pharisees thought. We're going to find out that even the time when it was to come, those things are unexpected. Those, those things are going to be unexpected to, to what they thought. Now, see, I already said this, his his response, Jesus' response here in these verses in in Luke 17, his response was to a question the Pharisees asked him. And the question was this, when is the kingdom of God going to come? But I love that Jesus knew they really weren't asking when it was going to come. You see, the Pharisees, these religious leaders were a group of people that really didn't live their life based on faith. They lived their life based on what they could see. They lived their life based on on what they could understand and what they could explain. And so they really weren't asking when the kingdom of God would come. They were really asking what the kingdom of God was. 
And they're asking if that was going to meet their expectations of the kingdom. And, and what's interesting is Jesus begins to answer their question, but he immediately, starting next week with our text, he immediately starts talking to the disciples. He's not even talking to the Pharisees anymore. And I believe it's because he sees this teaching moment for his followers, knowing that these Pharisees probably aren't going to change the way that they believe. Some of them did, but mostly he realized they weren't going to. Many Jews, including the Pharisees, had these ideas of the coming of the Messiah, the, the coming of the Chosen One. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout prophecy, there were, there were things that were said about this, this Messiah, this Savior that was going to come, and they all had interpreted it, interpreted it differently, and they began to believe things that weren't true about it. Here's some of the things that they believed. They expected that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to usher in this new era of global peace, that there was going to be peace all over the whole world and he was going to be the one that ushered it in. He may have done that, just not the way that they thought he was going to do it. Some believed that he would be a new King David, you know, the warrior king, that he was going to come in and he would deliver them from foreign rule. At the time of, of, of Jesus' words in Jesus' life, it was the Roman Empire that was controlling. But all throughout history, they had believed that this Messiah was going to save them from Babylon, from Assyria, and now from Rome. And they thought that he would lead them into battle and they'd be able to defeat their enemies. Some of them believed that, that this Messiah was going to come and he was going to be a political leader who would reign over the kingdom of Israel. And Israel would be the kingdom over all the world and he would be the one that would politically lead the charge. And there were some religious zealots that even believed that he was going to come and he was going to restore the true priesthood. He was going to go back and establish the temple and establish all of the sacrifices and he was going to do what, what, what needed to be done to battle the spiritual forces of evil with these elite people. They thought they were the ones that were the elite chosen ones that were going to prepare the way for him, and he was going to lead them into this great utopia of religion. Expectations. That's what Jesus was dealing with when he answered this question. So when they asked him, when's the kingdom of God coming? Jesus said to them, listen, it's not about when, and he began to explain to them what the kingdom of God was. He, he gets to the answer of when later, but he immediately attacks what, what their real question is, and that is, you don't understand even what the kingdom of God is. You don't understand where it is. You don't understand um, the realities of it. And you definitely don't understand and can't understand the time when it will be here. And church, we got to be careful too, because it's really easy for us to fall into the trap of, of having these expectations of God and these expectations of who He is and what He's going to do and what His kingdom looks like and what church is supposed to be and all of these things. We, we can fall into the trap, just like the Pharisees, of having these expectations of Him that, that, that are misguided. They're misguided, and, and, and we might miss God altogether. And we might miss his kingdom altogether and have a, totally mis, a, a, a total misunderstanding of, of what he wants to do in us and through us because we're expecting this thing. And so we're going to be looking at this over the, these next three weeks to see how unexpected the kingdom of God really is in, in our minds. We got to understand this, that 
The kingdom of God doesn't fit into this neat little box that we can explain or that, we, that always lines up with our human expectations. So as we move forward in Luke chapter 17, we'll be, begin with verse 20. I want you to open up your minds and understand that maybe you need to take all the expectations you have of the kingdom and push them to the side long enough to hear what Jesus has to say about his kingdom. Look at verse 20 and 21. We just have two verses today. He says this, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst, or some translations say, or is in, or is within you, or is within you. You see, the Pharisees, again, ask him when, but Jesus answered the question of what. He knew their impatience. He wanted to know, they wanted to know if it was going to meet their expectations. Jesus told many parables and had many teachings where he taught people trying to help them overcome their expectations. But these two verses teach us a couple of things about the kingdom of God. The first thing I think it teaches us is this. The kingdom of God is not observable. Now, you may immediately push back and then say, surely we can see the kingdom of God. Well, it's not the obvious observation. We'll break that down a little bit more. But it's not this thing that we can point out like he says and say, there it is or here it is. It's something more um, spiritual, not, not physical. It's not something physically that you can define. See, most kingdoms are defined by their physical territory. You can go out and say, this is my kingdom. Here's, the king can say, here's my kingdom, and he can draw the boundaries and show you, here's the physical territory of where my kingdom is. And that's the kind of thing that they understood back then. A, a kingdom would be overtaken by, by soldiers, and, and you would have your kingdom, but you would try to expand your kingdom. And it was all about how much land you could accumulate and how much how many people you could bring under you but you see the kingdom of god is not like that it is a spiritual reality that's defined by the rule of jesus christ let me say it again the kingdom of god is a spiritual reality that's defined by the rule of christ you can't point to a piece of land or a church building or a political figure or an army general, and say, look, there it is. The Greek word here for kingdom looks a lot like the word basilica. It's where we, and, and you can think of like a castle or, or a church, a big, big church. But what the word actually means is that, that it's, it's, it's about reign. It's about the reign and the rule. It's not about the place. It's not about the palace. You see, Jesus is emphasizing that the kingdom of God absolutely doesn't, did not meet the expectations that these Jewish leaders had had for generations. It had been passed down to them from their family. These misguided expectations had caused them to miss the kingdom of God altogether. In fact, this word observed actually can be defined. Basically what it means is this, they were not going to figure out the kingdom by inquisitively spying on Jesus. Let me say it this way. I think a lot of times we think that we can somehow, through our mind and through our education, we can somehow define the kingdom of God. We can spend enough time putting God in this box of how, what, of our understanding and beginning, we're going to observe this and observe that, and okay, that's the kingdom of God. And I think 
What Jesus is saying is, no, it's not something that is tangible in that way that you can sit there and physically say, here it is. Or I can define this. Or I can explain this exactly to you the way that I think it should be. So the first thing we learn that from what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God is not this physical reality. It's a spiritual reality. It's not something that can be observed in a way that can be defined by human terms. But here's where I want to land because I think the other thing Jesus is teaching us here is that the kingdom of God is inside the people of God. The kingdom of God is inside the people of God. This word in your midst means what is inside. It could also mean it's among you or it's within your grasp. Now, in Acts chapter 7, verse 48, Peter says these words. He says, they were discussing that Jesus should be in the temple or that God's in the temple. And it's understandable because if you go back and understand the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, you see that the presence of God was represented in the tabernacle, the tent that they had. That's where God's presence dwelt, and it was a very holy place. And then when they built the temple, same thing. And so people began to understand and have these expectations that God lived in buildings, that God lived in these structures that were set apart as holy. But in the New Testament, after Jesus came, he begins to change the way we're supposed to look at where God dwells. And so in in Acts 7.48, Peter says, the Most High God does not live in houses made by human hands. Now, I know that 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 blew some of them away because their whole history said differently. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you. You see... I want to, these are two different words from our text. In, in Luke 17, 21, Jesus uses a word that means it's among you, it's in your midst. The kingdom is in your midst. But in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul uses a different word for God's spirit dwells in you. But see, we're talking about the same thing, but two different things. One is the kingdom, the overall kingdom is among you, but it's among you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And that was different. No one in, in that day could understand that, that God would live or would dwell inside of you. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus goes back into heaven, the disciples, his, his own followers, ask him this question. They said, are you not going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, they even had, after three years of walking with him, they even had misguided expectations of what the kingdom was, where the kingdom would dwell. But he gave them, promised them something better. He promised them power when the Holy Spirit came, and he promised them a mission to go into all the world. And it happened in Acts chapter 2. The very thing Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1 happened. It says these words. It was about 10 days later. It says this, And when the day of Pentecost came, they, the disciples, were all together in one place, And suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them, on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
What an amazing text. That, what an amazing thing that happened because now what they had understood, God's presence being inside of a temple, now was going inside of people. Now the Spirit, the presence of God was going to live inside of people and that was going to create this kingdom among all the other people in their midst. The Holy Spirit came down. They spoke different languages. There were thousands of people who were there because they had come for the Passover, and they were still there. They come for the, They were there for this Pentecost celebration, and, and they were all there. They all spoke different languages, and these disciples stood up and began to speak the gospel message. They began to tell them about Jesus and about what he had done, how he had died and how he rose from the dead, and how he had gone back to heaven, that he was God. And they began to tell it in languages that they had not studied so that these people heard that message. And on that day, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ and were baptized. What an amazing thing that happened. And here's the beautiful thing. Over 2,000 years later, the same thing still happens all the time. Because remember I said, the kingdom of God, Jesus is teaching us that the kingdom of God dwells, lives in the people of God, the people who have given their lives to him, who have been saved, who have put their faith, their trust in him. Now the presence of God lives in us as well. You go on at the, after they had heard this message and at the end of Acts, and we see this reality come true. It says, when the people heard this, the message that Peter preached, and all these disciples preached, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, that's you and me, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now see the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the kingdom is in us, lives in us. Paul continues in, in 1 Corinthians 6 with this thought. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Again, a tough concept for people, for Jews to accept. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. If you put your faith in him, his death on the cross bought you with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Church, we got to understand what Jesus was teaching us here. The kingdom of God is not a physical territory we are supposed to define or we are supposed to claim. And it is not just a day. It is a day one day that we will spend forever with him. But it is not just a day that we're supposed to be waiting for, but it is here and it is now. It is a spiritual reality that is inside of us, and it's here and it's now, and we're supposed to be living it out every day of our lives. So how do we respond to this? What does this mean for us? Well, well, obviously, there, there's the, the, the first thought that that if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ and you want God to live in you and you want to be part of this kingdom, then you need to do that. You need to put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you from your sins so that you can walk with him and so that you can live with him and, 
And we're here for that. We want to walk you through that. We want to answer those questions for you. So that's, that's an obvious response to this. When you realize that the kingdom of God is within you, it's, you're not going to get it by just showing up at church or just hanging around with Christians. It will help, but you're going to get it when you begin to put your faith in Him and it begins to be lived in you. But I also want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to raise your expectations of what the kingdom of God is. I don't want you to lower them. I don't want you to begin, you know, a lot of times when you say, well, the best way to not be disappointed is to lower your expectations. No, I think we need to raise our expectations because what God wants to do in and through us is far greater and far better than if we just kind of, well, I'm just going to try to rough it until we get to heaven and then it's going to be great that day. No, I think we need to raise our expectations for what God has in store for his kingdom because it's greater than anything you could ever expect and anything you could ever imagine. And stop looking for the kingdom. Stop looking for God to meet your expectations. Stop looking for, here's how I've defined God and here's how I've defined his kingdom and here's how I've defined what my life with him looks like and I want him to fit into that box. Stop doing that. Raise your expectations Raise your faith and begin to step into that reality that, that He has greater things for you and you want to follow where He's leading. You want to jump into the work that He's doing and not just try to get Him to fit in to what your brain can figure out and what you understand. And ultimately, how do we respond to this is this. You need to daily live out and you need to reveal the kingdom of God. You need to daily live it out with the help of the Holy Spirit. Church, there's a lot of people who say that they follow Jesus and you can't tell it. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. By the the words that we say, by, by the things that we do, by even the expression on our face, people should be able to tell that the kingdom of God, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And every day he gives us opportunities. He gives us divine appointments, if you will, opportunities for us to go out and live out our faith and to live out this kingdom so that people can come to know who God is. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul lays it out perfectly. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself. He was bringing lost people to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And here it is, and he has committed to us, followers of Christ, people with the Holy Spirit in them, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. We are his representatives as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I was reading a story the other day about a a man named Peter. And Peter was on a flight to Las Vegas, and he had been reading this book, and, and the book uh, convicted him. The book uh, convicted him that he really needed to be paying attention to these divine appointments, these opportunities that God was giving him 
uh, every day to, to live out the kingdom. And he just, he knew that he needed to do it. And so he got off the plane at Phoenix. He got on another plane to finish his trip to Las Vegas. He sat down in the seat and he began to realize, okay, God, you've put me in this seat for a reason. He had sat down next to this young girl. So he looked over at her and he said, introduced himself and just said, hello. And she, of course, gave him the look that I don't want you to talk to me the rest of this flight. And by the way, the armrest belongs to me. I mean, it was, it was that kind of a look. And so he sat there and he said, man, I got to face my fears. I've got to, you know, God is convicting me. I've got to answer this. And so, I mean, it was hard, but he went ahead and stepped out and he looked at her and he said, listen, you seem really burdened about something. And, and, and if it would help you to, to share what's going on to a complete stranger, if that would help you release that, I'm here, I'm all ears. And this girl began to share the story. She was 17 years old. She'd found herself three months pregnant. Her boyfriend had told her to take care of it. And so that very morning, she had stolen her parents' credit card, bought a plane ticket to Vegas, was on her way to take care of it. And he began to share with her and began to talk to her and just encourage her. He wasn't overbearing. He wasn't heavy-handed. But God had placed him in that seat for that reason. They got off the plane in Las Vegas. He convinced her to call her parents who were worried sick. They convinced her to buy a plane, get a plane ticket and come immediately home. And that day, one life, maybe two, were saved because that man believed that that seat assignment was a divine appointment from God an opportunity for him to live out what was inside of him. And that's what the kingdom of God looks like when it's in us. It's not meant to stay there. It has to come out. Church, we are representatives of the Lord, and we are representatives of his kingdom. And we have a mission to make him and his kingdom known by what we say and by what we do and by how we react to things. And the simple question is, will you? Father God, we need you. We can't do this alone. You have given us this unexpected reality that the kingdom of God is not something that's outside of us. It's not something that's, that is something that we're waiting for, just something that we're waiting for. But God, it is something that is within us. And because it's within us, then it's around us and it's around the people who are around us. And your kingdom begins to grow and begins to spread if we allow you to come out of us, if we allow what is within us to come out and to let people see who you really are. God, give us divine appointments today so that we can go and make your kingdom known. It's in your name we pray. Amen.